We're in a sermon series on prayer. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he gave them the Lord's Prayer as an example. So we're looking at the Lord's Prayer to learn how to pray. And we're not just going to learn how to pray, how we should pray, but we also learn how Jesus prays for us. The writer of Hebrews tells us that Jesus is our great high priest and that he intercedes for us and that he prays for us. So as we learn how to pray, we learn how Jesus prays for us. And that's good news. Today's prayer is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done. As we look at this prayer, we're going to consider three things. The promise of the kingdom, the challenge of this prayer, and how we can do it. So the kingdom, the promise, the challenge, and how we can do it. So first, the promise of the kingdom. I wish I could preach a 30-minute sermon just on this point, but I'll have to keep it brief. If you want to know what the kingdom is about, you look to the king. And today we have separation of powers and we don't have a king. So, you know, 2,000, 3,000 years ago, what was the king about? Well, he had three primary roles, to rule, to judge, and to protect. So the king was sovereign. He ruled. He made laws for the land. And if they were good laws, it brought peace and prosperity. And second, the king was the, the legal authority. It was like the Supreme Court and the executive branch rolled into one. So when we hear about people going to the throne room, the throne room was the courtroom. That was where you would go to seek justice. And if the king ruled with wisdom, there would be justice. And if not, there would be injustice in the land. And the third thing the king would do is he would protect the people. Because the reality back then is there were foreign nations who were just dying to sweep in and destroy. So the king would run an army. The king would protect and the king would fight battles on behalf of the people. And that's why King David, the first thing he did, the thing that made his name was he defeated the enemy. On behalf of the people of Israel, he went out and he fought. Now, in Jesus' time, this was how it worked in Rome too. Caesar would go out, he would fight a battle, and after the battle would be won, he would send a herald. And the herald would have a proclamation. And that proclamation was called an euangelion, which means good news. And the herald would come and he'd say, I'm bringing the gospel of Caesar. There was a battle that was fought and it's been won. And now because he won the battle, there's peace for you. There's victory for you. I'm coming to proclaim the spoils of the war. And that was the context. In Jesus' time, when Mark says the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, he's saying a battle has been fought. There's a victory and there's peace and there's spoils of war and they're for you. And so when we pray your kingdom come, we're praying for God's righteous, beautiful, good, just rule and to defeat his enemies. Because there are enemies and we need them defeated. And so that's the good news, the promise of the kingdom when we pray your kingdom come. So what's the challenge of this prayer? Well, first, we're praying for God's kingdom, not for ours. And that's, that's a challenge. The very first temptation ever 
Right? It's always been, you could be king. Right? When the serpent tempted Adam and Eve, the temptation was take the fruit and you can be God. You can decide right from wrong. You can decide justice, injustice, good and evil. You can be in charge. And that's the challenge for us because that's what we want. We want, yeah, God, defeat the enemies for us. Give us the joy, the peace, the prosperity. But we want to be the ones calling the shots. We want to be the ones deciding right and wrong. We want to be the ones living for us. But Jesus says, no, you pray your kingdom come. Your will be done. God is our father and he's our sovereign. And Jesus says, if you're going to pray this prayer, your kingdom come. You're going to pray, I'm going to submit my will to yours. And that's a challenge, to put it mildly. But it's not only a challenge. Um, John Piper puts it this way. He asks, how is the return of the king good news if you have been committing treason your whole life? How is the return of the king anything less than a death sentence if you are a rebel? Because the fact of the matter is, and this is the message of the Bible, and this is the message of our hearts that whisper to us in the quiet of the night when we're willing to listen. Your kingdom come is not just a challenge that's hard. It's not just like, oh, my will, God's will, who's going to win? The message of the Bible is, apart from Christ, we are God's enemies. We are committing treason. When we're saying, no, my will be done. I don't want to do it your way, God. I'm going to take control. We're rebelling against our king. Now, I want to give you a, an illustration of what this means, um, what this looks like from what I think is one of, the, one of the best return of the king stories there ever was. That's Robin Hood. And I've, I've mentioned before the definitive example is Disney's Robin Hood, the one with the, you know, the animated version. And so this is the story of Robin Hood, the good King Richard. The lion-hearted. He's gone off to fight a battle. And in his place has arisen a false king. The phony king, Prince John. And he rules with an iron fist. And because he's extracting excessive taxes and people can't pay him, he's imprisoned the land. And there's not justice, there's injustice. There's not joy, there's sorrow. And there's Robin Hood, our hero, right? But Robin Hood doesn't say, one of these days, I'm going to take down Prince John and I'm going to rule. Robin Hood says, one day, King Richard is going to come back. And he's going to make things right. And there will be rejoicing again in England. That's the hope. The king will come back. And at the end of the story, King Richard comes back. And two things happen. Everybody who's been in prison is set free. The debts are paid. There's rejoicing. But those who were the enemies, Prince John, Hiss, the vultures, all of the enemies of the king, they're imprisoned. They're defeated. Now, you know, we like to think, yeah, we're on the side of God. The line between good and evil, it's, it's right here. And so when the king comes back, we're going to be set free. But if we're honest... The line between good and evil runs through every human heart. And that means 
praying for the king to come back. If we're at enmity with God, that's a death sentence. It's not good news. But Jesus tells us to pray this prayer because it is good news. So, how can we pray this prayer? Well, we can pray this prayer as good news if we remember, if we look at how Jesus prayed this prayer for us. Remember, we're not just learning how we should pray. We're learning how Jesus prays for us. And Jesus prayed, your will be done. The night he was betrayed in another garden, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he faced the same temptation. God's will or your will? And he said, God, if it were up to me, this cup of your wrath, your judgment against evil, your righteous pronouncements, your ruling with wisdom, if it were up to me, pour it out on your enemies. Give them what they deserve. If it were up to me, God, let this cup pass before me. But he said, not my will, but your will be done. In the garden, faced with the same temptation, I could be God, do it my way. Though he, <laughs> he had every reason to do that. Jesus said, not my will, Father, but your will be done. Because the gospel is that when the king returns to deal with sin and evil, he comes to the cross to shed his blood, to forgive his enemies, and to set free those who are imprisoned by the false god of this world. Right? Every false god here says, you can be God. You can be in charge. You can have an all. But they can't deal with the ultimate enemies of sin and death. But the true God came and he deals with sin and death and he defeats our enemies and he forgives us. So that when the king comes back, it's not a death sentence, but it's good news. Because this king that comes back, he comes to forgive us. He comes to, from the cross, say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So the challenge of the prayer, how can I submit to this king? He's a king that lays down his life for you. The fear of this prayer, how can I not be in terror because of treason? He came to forgive you. And he came to set you free from the enemies that imprison you. But finally, we need hope now. Because you might be saying, okay, I can pray this prayer, but I need hope. How can I have hope now as I pray this prayer? Well, the last line is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As it is in heaven. Now, when the Bible talks about God's will, sometimes one way it talks about is God is sovereign. God is in control. Everything that happens God is in control. God knows what's happening and God is allowing it and God is using it. But there's also the sense of God, God's will, which is what he desires, what he wants, what he longs for. Righteousness, beauty, justice, peace, truthfulness, faithfulness, goodness in our dealings with each other. That's God's will. And Jesus is telling us 
In heaven, God's will is done perfectly. Now we look around right now and we know on earth, God's will in that sense is not done. There is still evil. There is sickness. There is death. We do not deal righteously with each other. And so we pray, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And let me tell you why you can have hope now. Let me give you another, another illustration from the other great return of the king story, the Lord of the Rings. So at one point, Frodo and Sam are in Mordor and they're despairing. They've lost hope. And Sam looks up in the darkness and the storm and the clouds and he sees the cliffs. But amidst the darkness, he sees a white star shining. And let me read to you. Let me read to you what it says. Sam saw a white star twinkle for a while. The beauty of it smote his heart as he looked up at the forsaken land and hope returned to him. For like a shaft clear and cold, the thought pierced him that in the end, the shadow was only a small and passing thing. There was light and high beauty forever beyond its reach. This is what he's saying. Yes, the shadow of Mordor is long. And you know what? He didn't know if they would be defeated or if they would win. And maybe evil would overcome the earth. But he said, you know what? The white hot fact, the fundamental truth of the universe is that it is a place of high beauty and goodness and truth. That God's glory shines. That in heaven, God's will is done. And it's only here on our small little blue earth where there's a shadow, but it will pass. And it may be a dark shadow, and its arm may be long, but it will not last. Friends, Jesus is the king who has defeated his enemies. Psalm 110 tells us, The Lord said to my Lord, God is saying, Sit at my right hand, sit at the right hand of the throne, until I make your enemies your footstool. Sin under Jesus' feet. Death under Jesus' feet. The glory of God resounds through the heavens and God's will is done perfectly. And because Jesus rose from the grave, we know that one day he will return and he will make all things right. And so we can pray now with joy and with hope, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because Jesus is the king who has defeated our enemies and who forgives us and lives and ever intercedes on our behalf. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are our king. We pray that you would put to death our rebellion so that we could walk in the life and the righteousness and the justice that you have for us in your kingdom. In your name we pray. Amen.